Understanding Moore's law realized that within you know very short time frame uh, that it would get better than a human. That was what we were teeing up for, right?、Uh, the thesis is that AI will will generate images and videos better than a human in in the near future. That said, at, in the middle of 2018,、uh, that technology was not there yet. So one of the theses that、uh, Hikari had in the early days too was that data would be the key to using artificial intelligence, and that's been something we've lived by for the vision the entire time. And AI can scan and give you insights. That's something that's really, really helped as we've continued to build. Hello, I'm Hikari Senju, the founder and CEO of OmniKey, and I'm Matt Swally, Chief Business Officer and a co-founder of OmniKey. This is Code Story. A podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what、It、to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back?、Our、company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a pain. Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really、It's、want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host Noah Labhart, and today held Matt Swally and Akari Sinju grabbed AI by the horns and used it to maximize the performance of your ads. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech/codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com/codestory. Hikari Sinju grew up in Westchester, New York, and was exposed to tech early on as his family worked at IBM. His dad is also a painter, so he has been driven through the intersection of art and technology. He studied computer science at Harvard. And was cross-registered at MIT, and it was at MIT that his passions united, and he knew that his life goals would be aligned between art and technology. Matt Swally graduated from Indiana University Business School and was influenced by his dad and mom, who were both business people. Post school, he joined a leadership development program at AT and T and led sales teams in several different locations. And post getting his MBA, he got deeper into data to analyze the big trends in the business world. In one of his earliest ventures, Hikari was leading marketing efforts across multiple digital channels. He saw an opportunity to use generative AI and omni-channel marketing to optimize how content is created and how well it performs. At the same time, Matt was researching great folks building companies around data, and found Hikari. This is the creation story of OmniKey. So OmniKey generates personalized ads at scale. We use the most recent real-time marketing data to get customer insights: what kind of imagery, what kind of copy drives sales for different personas,、uh, 
uh, that the, our customers are targeting. And then we use generative AI to generate hundreds and thousands of personalized ads and, and multivariate tests to help our customers better scale their marketing and their growth. I started a couple of companies in college. Two of them were venture-backed. One of them was an online education platform. And at the same time, though, this education platform intersects with many of the same themes at Omni, right? It's about personalized learning. What is it about creating content for a student to have them engage with that content and uh, encourage them to want to learn more about a subject? It's a lot of the thinking about building, you know, using data to create a personalized piece of content to drive engagement was, was a big part of what we were working on technically as well. And that company was ultimately acquired by another ed tech company in the Bay Area where I led marketing. And it was really there running marketing, running Facebook campaigns that are the immediate opportunity of Omnikey using generative AI to solve this really hard problem, this creative scaling, creative multivariate testing problem emerged. And that really uh, was kind of the, the starting point for Omnikey around 20, uh, middle of 2018. My uncle was chief strategy officer, chief marketing officer of AT&T. And he mentioned one day, hey, Matt, would you ever want to go look work at AT&T? And so one week later, I am packing up my car and driving to Atlanta and joining a leadership development program. So that was really a big defining moment that kind of turned the page for me. And through the years at AT&T, lived in seven, seven different big cities, led sales teams, ended up at the Dallas headquarters the last five years after I was in Los Angeles, where I was the chief of staff for one of the global business officers. I was around a lot of the executives. For many years, AT&T was a Fortune 5 company. So you really got to see how leaders think, how they analyze data, how they make decisions. Then I got my MBA and got into corporate strategy there for the last two years where I was I was really diving deep into data and analyzing you know, the next big trend. What's the next wave of growth? How can you disrupt incumbents? And I started doing research on all these companies, found Hikari, most driven leader I've ever seen, connected with him and uh, joined him as uh, chief business officer. So tell me about the MVP. Uh, that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? So this really starts diving into, you know, going back, frankly, to the college course I took at, at MIT. You know, at that time, it was still very psychedelic, right? I'm sure maybe you, the listeners here might remember some of those early AI-generated imagery. Uh, but definitely understanding Moore's Law realized that within, you know, a very short time frame, and understanding kind of exponential rate nature in which technology improves, uh, that it would get better than a human. That was what we were teeing up for, right? Uh, the thesis is that AI will will generate images and videos better than a human in, in the near future. That said, in the middle of 2018, uh, that technology was not there yet. And the first focus was really two things, right? And this really dives into kind of the moats and the business opportunities. And this is me thinking as an entrepreneur is we had to establish two things. And these were kind of the modes I saw in generative AI at that time. We had to establish a brand and we had to get data, right? Because ultimately I thought those two would be things that even as technology advanced, we get a head start on building the brand, getting all the data that we you know, have a significant leg up or a, a head start to our, to our competitors. And so the very first product that we built was an analytics engine for analyzing content uh, and then an early, very, very early ad generation product. And that was using stock images, and that was using an early language generation model. We tried, you know, Salesforce's control, we tried BERT, we tried early GPT. Uh, that was really the MVP. The first MVP, which, you know, two years of work, 2018 to 2020, you know, released January 2020, was an uh, analytics engine. It would in integrate with your Facebook ads to begin with. 
Uh, it would ingest all the data from your Facebook ads. It would analyze what kind of words. Uh, it would tag all the ads, imagery, and videos using computer vision. And it would discover what kind of colors and keywords and imagery, uh, increase click-through rates, increase return on ad spend. And then very, very kind of early, you know, select and suggest stock images and suggest uh, generate copy uh, based on those insights. And that was the first version uh, released in January 2020, uh, and it took about two years. So one of the thesis that uh, Hikari had in the early days, too, was that data would be the key to using artificial intelligence. And that's been something we've lived by for the vision the entire time. As generative AI keeps getting better, you have access to this data and AI can scan and give you insights into why people are clicking or buying. What are the colors? What are the what's the length of the video? What the number of people, the value prop in uh, that's something that's really, really helped as we continue to build. So OmniKey is called OmniKey partly because we are an omni-channel platform and the vision was always to be an omni-channel platform and that's kind of been baked into the name. There is a need for an omni-channel platform, right? And so uh, a brand, right, is, is, is like a friend, right? It'll be very weird if your friend changed personality every time you saw them, right? Uh, if you saw them on YouTube, it had a different personality. Or if you saw them on Instagram, it had a different personality. But that's actually the, the current trend uh, that these platforms are going, right? Facebook is going to generate their own generative model based on their own data. Google will generate their own generative model based on their own data. Same thing with Amazon, same thing with Microsoft. But uh, that would then result in the brands optimizing to different local maximum, right? Um, but really what you want is consistency, right? Consistency drives trust. Trust drives higher ROI in ad spend. It drive trust drives higher return on ad spend. And so by ensuring that our brands and our customers um, have a consistent brand experience across different platforms uh, so that the brand that the customer experiences on Facebook is consistent with the brand experience on Google, is consistent with the brand experience on Amazon and, and Bing and, and Netflix, uh, that is a uh, key to the OmniKey strategy going forward. And so this is why uh, the first couple of years is also spent getting marketing partner access to all these platforms as well. Uh, and so, and it's not easy to just, you know, not anybody can just build a, an app on the Meta Ads API. Uh, you do need to have a track record of running ads uh, to get access to those APIs. And so uh, that was the other big thing is getting uh, omni-channel data integration set up so that as the generative imagery and generative video technology advanced, uh, that we can easily plug that into our platform. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption and use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. 
And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So moving forward, you've, you've got your MVP, it's working. How, how have you progressed the product and matured it? And I think what, what I'm interested there is, is more around how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with OmniKey. It comes down to the modes, the modes that we saw in the business back, you know, when we kind of master strategy, you know, starting the company build a brand and then you get customers based on the brand and then from the customers you get data and then you get data integrations uh, and then you build custom algorithms based on the data. The product priorities and the in terms of like you know prioritizing product features were based on being as close as possible to establishing OmniKey's brand as the leading generative AI company for advertisers. This was a very key that we were the first and we were the first to launch an ad generation tool that uses large language models and foundation models. And then from that, building the workflow, right? So the approval of ads, management of content, management of assets, uh, those were also then uh, happened after uh, we established OmniKey's brand, established the data, and then working with our customers, figured out the right workflow uh, to retain our customers and then ultimately to help our customers, you know, uh, build a really great product for our customers to scale their advertising. And to add on that, it was kind of like getting in the right position. And then some of the tailwinds were, that have really helped us is actually targeting is becoming more restricted in advertising. Personal information is like locked up in a box by each platform, but you can pull out from anonymized data, you can pull out stuff using computer vision from real-time performance. And that's been a big tailwind. And, and you know, Hikari knew Generative AI was going to continue to get better. So we've been building and preparing and every day as it improves, we're building our, our own algorithms to really move fast. And now there's this huge problem. The biggest problem out there is scaling creative so that the platforms have enough creative to distribute effectively. So they know they know what you like. They're going to distribute stuff that they believe is a good fit for you. So the more creative you have, the better distribution. You know, we're a generative AI company, right? So then why not immediately start by inventing our own large language models, right? Like, why do we choose, again, to prioritize on brand and data integrations and workflow before the, you know, maybe, you know, one iteration of the company is we're going to, you know, in 2018, we're going to um, invent the next large language model. And the reality was that the OmniKey was essentially bootstrapped for the first three years. We really had uh, no resources. We, we were very lucky to get some backing early on from some angel investors. Um, but, you know, we were in a very cash constrained position. And so uh, it was also making the right bets, right? And which battles we want to compete with. And we weren't ever going to be able to compete with the likes of Google and Facebook in terms of inventing the the, the best large language models or the best image generation models. Uh, but we could, if we focused really hard, you know, build the best ad management tool and ad analytics tool and, and uh, workflow for advertisers. 
you know, the time frame, the ROI time frame at different stages changes, right? So when, you know, you're operating a company with, you know, a six month runway, uh, then, you know, you have to make bets that can pay off within two weeks or three weeks or, or four weeks, right? And, and then if you're, you know, then if you raise millions and millions or tens of millions of dollars, then you can think a little bit more ambitiously, you know, think in terms of you know, one year timeframes or two year timeframes in terms of investments. Let's switch to team. How did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? And your success is a large part of, you know, getting the right people on the bus and getting those people in the right seats, right? And that's really, you know, whether that you're, you're a coach for a winning basketball team or, you know, an entrepreneur starting a company, it's all about getting the right people on the bus. And I think it goes back to this point, right? Of, of you know, what, what are the what are the kind of the key priorities in terms of strategy uh, for the company? What are the what are the bets we want to make at a certain time? You know, what are also my personal strengths and weaknesses, right? Uh, and I think being kind of self-aware there in terms of where am I, where you know the team is lacking, and how we need to fit new people in to eventually make up for some of those shortcomings. And so, when when constructing the team, you know, it goes back to the, the focus, right? building a brand, getting data integrations, building a great product to retain customers. And so the early hires were really focused on those things, right? We look for a couple of characteristics that are must-haves at Omniki, and it's you have to have high energy, you have to have great core values, and you have to have the ability to learn quickly with intellectual curiosity, meaning you have to try to, if you see a, a clock, you have to try to figure out how it's made. Like with AI today right now, it's wild how fast it's moving. There's a big change in tech right now because it's becoming more available for people to develop that don't have you know, the skills from engineering. Like a lot of the stuff with chat GPT and stuff, you, now there's an AI prompt engineer. So you have to have a team full of people that are just hungry to go learn, learn from the crowd. I mean, you can learn so much now of what's happening in real time every day across technology. And that's what we really look for. And then one thing Hikari and I always do, we're always on the lookout for talent, like across all the different platforms where you're meeting people at events. We're always on the lookout for someone that's a good fit three months, six months, a year from now. You know, with high energy and, and a high curiosity, but without integrity, you know, your company can also go completely uh, sideways. And so it's really important that every employee use those three characteristics. How do you measure potential? It's measured by, you know, the tailwinds and then the people. I think it's very important to have a very good mission. Early on, I kind of realized that people are either on a mission or they're in a search for a mission, right? And, and our mission is to democratize growth and to empower human creativity. Uh, we believe that AI has the power to empower more entrepreneurs and more creators and more creative types to get their products out to market and connect with their customers much more cheaply, much more faster, much more earlier in their life cycle. And we just think that there's so many barriers to entries for somebody with a really compelling idea to get that idea into the market and, and get that idea market and that product in the hands of customers. And so you know, always building great technology to power creators, empower entrepreneurs, uh, democratize growth, lower the barriers to entry for advertising and for growth. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. 
Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash Code Story and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash Code Story. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, CastAI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Okay, let's switch to scalability then. So this will be interesting. Given the, the market you serve, how you're serving, how you're serving it, was this built to scale efficiently from day one? Or have you been fighting this as you grow and, and as you gain traction? You know, having done uh, startups for, for for close to a decade now, kind of actively as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make is trying to come up with a fully scaled out product instant, you know, day one, right? Uh, with this idea that, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? That's rarely, 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 rarely true. The most important thing is uh, to prove that there's a demand for your product, right? Uh, and the way to prove that there's a demand for your product is to rapidly test a bunch of ideas and to get something in the hands of customers that kind of works. And especially if a customer is engaging with a thing that isn't working, but kind of works, but they're still engaging with you, that means you have something special. If it feels like the market is pulling the product out from you, that actually shows that there's some demand or some kind of semblance of product market fit or, or some early signals of product market fit. And so do things that don't scale. And I think it's just more important to talk to the customers and get early versions of the product in the hands of customers as soon as possible, even if it isn't scalable, even if it doesn't barely functions. As you get the product out, one thing we've done really, really well, and it's it's from Hikari setting the base at the beginning is figuring out distribution. Because if you have a great product, but you aren't able to distribute it, there's an issue still. So we have really worked on distribution, one by using our own product, but there's other ways, getting yourself out there, becoming a thought leader, Hikari's a thought leader in AI, getting on different knowledge shares, um, but really getting that distribution down and figuring out how your customers can find you, how you can find them, and then fine tuning the right type of customer of who you're going to meet with. Because there's a lot of distractions that can be there if you aren't doing that correctly. It's a it's an ongoing learning process. This will be this will be really fun to you know to hear both of your answers. I always enjoy the answers to this question. As you step out on the balcony. And you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? It comes down to the team, right? I mean, the team is the thing that I'm most proud of. We have a great team uh, oriented around a great mission and building a great product uh, for customers. And so uh, it really comes down to the team. We're always working. It's never, you know, it's never complete. It's never, the work is never done, right? But building the best team uh, to solve this problem is something I'm very proud of. I'm with Ikari. That's that's what the must-have right now with how fast technology is moving. 
Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made, either individually or as a team, and how you and the team responded to it. Yeah, look, I think startups is making mistakes 99 times and, you know, having something right once, right? I mean, there's that famous Edison quote that I didn't fail, but I found, you know, a thousand, ten thousand ways it didn't work. I mean, you know, startups is constantly falling on your face. And in fact, if you're not constantly falling on your face, you might not be trying hard enough or you might be ambitious enough. And so definitely, you know, pushing the engineering team to release products faster, uh, having a very ambitious product roadmap that may or may not be deliverable or achievable within a certain time frame. Those are all uh, challenges, uh, you know, we faced and, and, and have overcome and, and are overcoming. It's like, how do you become, you know, a great anything, right? You, you get good at failing. And so, like, you know, how do you become, for example, a good, good skier is you, you know, you get good at falling, right? And, and so um, it's, fo- it's more important that we ingrain in the DNA of the company that <laughs> being embarrassed is fine, you know, and, and being, you know, you have to be a little bit shameless sometimes to be an entrepreneur uh, and to, uh, you know, kind of communicate a vision of something that doesn't exist in the world. The reason why no one else is doing it is because it's really hard and therefore you probably will fail the first couple of times. Um, but it's really more about what you do after that, right? And, and how do you dust yourself up and then keep going? You know, like I, you always go back to Jeff Bezos saying most doors are reversible, right? So there's several that are not, but Amazon has been so successful because they, they still move quick. One of the best parts about a startup coming from a large company uh, is that we move fast. Like you can build out an integration over a weekend sometimes. I remember when one of the technologies was released, the engineering team actually built out an integration over a weekend and it was actionable and functional by customers on Monday. But sometimes there's decisions to make. I was We were talking about this earlier this week is like, do you migrate a technology before everything is figured out or do you wait and keep trying to fine tune it? Like Sometimes you just have to let her rip and then figure it out. Otherwise, it could take a long, long time to do that. What does the future look like for OmniKey, the product, and for your team? Generating personalized ads at scale, right? This is the kind of the, the, the kind of stake in the ground that we established in 2018, and we've kind of been executing against this. And, and really with the understanding that the technology wasn't all there at that time in 2018, it's not all there yet even today. The future is kind of the future that we established in 2018, which is an AI that autonomously generates ads, millions of iterations of ads, imagery, video, on television, on all paid advertising channels, and optimizes those ads based on data, automates media buying on an omni-channel basis, based on calculating the return on ad spend across different platforms, and just making that as autonomous as possible. And then on top of that, the vision of Omniki, you know, is very key is we never, you know, we said, you know, we start with personalized ads, but this, the thing we immediately followed up with in terms of messaging and some of the early articles, you can even see this as we've said, it's about Omniki generates personalized experiences at scale, generating personalized landing pages, right? And generating personalized emails and generating autonomous campaigns that will you know, generate the personalized chatbots and email campaigns and push notifications and, and all that can be automated uh, with AI and that the Omniki will be that layer, that platform that generates and powers these personalized experiences across all customer touch points. But the starting point is in ads. That's where the data is, and that therefore is where the moat is and where the competitive advantage is. Uh, we have way more data than any other landing, you know, solely landing page generation product. Some of the ideas we've uh, kind of played with is, for example, using the data we have in ads to potentially finance a customer's ad spend, right? This again, 
uses the data we have as advantage. It also aligns with a mission of empowering human creators, right, and, and, and entrepreneurs, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that may not be able to raise money from investors, uh, may not come from, you know, have a network of wealthy net, uh, individuals who can angel invest in them. But if they have a compelling product and they have some early uh, signals of, of, of having a great product, then maybe we can, you know, provide them some financing to help them, you know, scale their advertising. And so those are some other ideas that we've kind of thought of and kind of in our long term roadmap. But the focus is on ads, generating the best uh, personalized ads uh, for our customers. But that's kind of the larger, like longer term vision and some of the longer term features we're thinking of as we uh, kind of execute against our mission. Okay, so let's switch to you individually. Who influences the way that you each work? Name a person or any persons or something you look up to and why. Two for me. One is Mark Cuban, just his entrepreneurship skills and how he's able to simplify complex issues and connect with anyone out there. Like you hear all these stories where he's just talking to, to people, you know, that, that I know he just runs into them and he, he'll have conversations with them. But he's just such a great communicator at simplifying complex issues. And then the second one is Jesse Eitzler. If you've ever heard of him public speak, I, I love public speaking and he's an entrepreneur as well. And he's so passionate when he talks and he talks about learning from life experiences and doing all these different things that gain your skill set outside of like the typical ways to learn. And that's something I always try to try to move forward with my life is learn these new skills that you don't know when they might make sense and they'll be used, but sometime down the line, they're going to be used if you just continue to learn these different things from experiences. I'm a big audiobook reader. I, I, I finish a book maybe every two days. You know, I have, I'm like a monastic de, you know, devotion to Omniki, right? Everything I do is for the company. Every minute is optimized for the purpose of making Omniki as, as, as successful as it can be. And so when I'm not working actively on Omniki, uh, I'm, you know, exercising and reading books. And so, and, and in fact, I do those simultaneously. I listen to an audiobook while exercising. Obviously, my favorite audiobook is still, and, and this is from a long time ago, is J.D. Rockefeller. I mean, what a classic American rags to rich story. I have a, uh, an autoimmune condition that's kind of alopecia, uh, kind of universalis, and he has he had this as well. And you know, he also uh, spent time in New York, and and I grew up in New York. And and you know, if we could be, you know, if the JD, you know, if we could be the standard, if Omniki can be the standard oil, and this is actually the pitch I also gave to Matt when you know, joining, it's like you know, Omniki can be the standard oil of data. Data is the uh, the oil that feeds uh, the generative AI machine and compute, and and data is, and so. And then the analogy here is, you know, what? How did Standard Oil make its money? Right, it's made its money by building refineries. Right, they turned crude oil into different applications. Omniki uh, is also a refinery. Omniki is a refinery of data. Right, so we turn data into personalized experiences, whether those are personalized ads or eventually personalized landing pages. Um, and that uh, there are similar kinds of uh, network effects that kind of come with. Uh, build, building the best tool that you know refines data into uh, personalized design, personalized experiences, personalized ads, and so you know, that, that that is one example of an entrepreneur that I really look up to. But you know, I mean, I'm always reading and learning about every. If, if, there's, a, if there's an audiobook about a biography of an entrepreneur, I will definitely read it uh, as fast as I can, two x speed, and just try to ingest those learnings into my decision making as fast as possible. Well, fellas, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? 
it's never give up on the mission, right? I mean, the vision, right? Like mission and the vision, that's something established. I think sometimes uh, one conflates, uh, you know, tactical challenges one is facing short term with challenges to the vision, right? The vision is what motivates the team. The vision is what motivates other stakeholders, whether those are customers or investors. Uh, and the mission is, 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 is what kind of aligns everyone to row in the same direction. And I think that said, though, uh, it is okay to be flexible in one's tactics, right? So you know, if one thinks of a mission or a vision as, say, you know, as an objective, right? You know, like, you know, capture that hill, right? There are many different ways and paths to capturing a hill. There's many different paths to reaching the top of a hill or top of a mountain. And, and maybe you realize that, you know, you have to go two steps up to realize that that path and go, that was, it doesn't work. And you have to, you know, climb down the mountain again and start again from scratch. Just because you've had, maybe you tried three different times, you have to get to the top of this mountain. And every single time you had a roadblock does not mean you should give up in your mission and objective of climbing that hill, capturing that hill, climbing to the top of that mountain. The, the thing that I think that all successful entrepreneurs have in common is they never gave up, right? What I think differentiates successful entrepreneurs from, and especially long-term successful entrepreneurs, right? Not just flash in the pan success, but people really have like long-term enduring success in their careers is that they somehow turn, you know, success from failure. They had some failure, faced some roadblock, but they never gave up. They faced some kind of obstacle. They broke through their obstacle in some capacity. And if you see an obstacle, uh, don't give up. Maybe there's a way around it. Maybe there's a way below it. Maybe you can dig a hole below it. Maybe you can just keep chipping away at the wall until you break through. But like, you know, whatever it is, you know, do not give up. And I think that's really the most important thing. The hardest times are where you learn the most. I mean, you go through some really, really tough times in business and life. And if you just keep showing up every day and trying to gain skills that are going to help you get close to that goal, figure out what's the most important priority and focus on that and do not give up. There's another uh, Tom Hanks quote I heard the other day. It's like, whenever you feel great, it shall pass. Whenever you feel bad, it shall pass. So don't worry about either side too long. Just try to keep an even keel. And I really like that when you look at it everything short term it's going to pass you just keep chipping away at it and try to get better every day god has a plan right and you know your plan may not align with with god's plan but like i think it is important that you you have to believe you have to believe you have to have faith and be okay that you're not always going to understand everything that's happening right that there's going to be confusion as your plan doesn't always match with the immediate plan you hoped for but you have to have faith in the long term vision and you just have you just have to have faith and not give up i mean i think it really comes down to that well gentlemen thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of OmniKey. thank you so much noah for having us thank you noah and this concludes another chapter of code story Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.